Tonight, uh, I will be preaching the book of Colossians. And uh, if you have your Bibles with you ready, please open it. And Colossians chapter 3. Now we have uh, lots of reading tonight. Shall we stand up, please, as we open our Bible in Colossians chapter 3? We'll read from verses 1 to 10. I just read it and just, you just follow me. Colossians 3, chapter, Colossians 3, verse 1. Likewise, oh, this is not, sorry. Colossians. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. And set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, and the which ye also walk sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all this, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications, Communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we praise you tonight for this time, O oh God, that you've given to us to assemble ourselves together to worship you. And to study your word tonight. Help me, Lord, as I preach your word. Use me, Lord, for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's be seated. Thank you. Uh, tonight I will be preaching about godly living. Godly living means heavenly minded. And this generation... As Christians, we need to live a holy and a godly life. Amen? Tonight, I want to talk about how we can live godly in the midst of this perverse generation. And a life that can impact others. A life that is blameless and could transform others or attract others to the Lord Jesus Christ. And living a life that is godly come down to what you do. Amen? And not what you just say. Let's turn our Bible in 1 Peter 2, 11 to 13. The Bible says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, 
Abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme. So in this passage, we see that our obligation to live a godly life before the watching world is divided into three identities. First, we are strangers and pilgrims. In verse 11, we are like aliens, not illegal aliens. Second, we are citizens. In verse 13, it says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sakes. This means you are a citizen. And third, we are servants. In verse 18, servants, be subject to your, to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. So, whether we are at home, at school, at work, wherever and whenever, we are to live in such a way that our life demonstrates the Christian gospel. Amen? And our life should put to silence the attacks of critics. When you are living a godly life, you have also critics. But your life should be blameless against their criticism. To live a godly life, we need to consider two things here. First is discipline. The discipline that is inward and private. And secondly, our testimony on the outside is really gained by our integrity on the inside. And it starts there. And the quality of transformed life must be visible to the unsaved world. And there should be no secret disciples. If you are a disciple of Christ. And the most effective tool of evangelism we possess is the power of a righteous life. Amen? So, when you were saved, you died to your old way. Okay? The Bible says, and you, you died to your old way of life. It says you died. You know what is being dead? Turn back to Colossians 3 verse 5. It says here, Mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So when you're dead, you should not commit those things. Amen? What is meant by mortify? Meaning to kill. To kill these things. These sins in our lives. So mortify also means to subdue. When you trusted Jesus, you died to your old ways of life. And as dead, your evil desires don't fit in your new life in Jesus. And people, we, and we need to keep seeking the things above. That's what the Bible says. We should set our affection on things above. 
not on things on the earth. And we need to set our minds to holy, righteous, and godly living. You know, people have all kinds of idols in their house. You know, they have TV, computers, phones. And mostly these things, you know, have programs which are junks, full of sensuality or violence, right? And the Bible warns us to be careful in our thought life, in our thinking, in how we walk, or our manner of living or life, our conversations. And in our relationships. So, how can we live godly in this perverse generation? Number one, we should be careful in what you think. Be careful in what you think. You need to control your thoughts. Amen? Because that will determine your life. Better, your thought con- con- uh, determines your life. And the mind controls everything in your life. You respond to your thinking. It's good that, you know, God give us the power only or the capacity to think one thing at a time, right? You cannot think multiple things. You only think one thing at a time. Some people are beautiful, but they think they are ugly. And the skinny think they are fat. And the challenge is controlling our thoughts. A godly life that is surrounded by ungodly circumstances is very difficult. And if you want to live godly and a holy life, you need to think godly and holy. So how do we control our thoughts? It begins with understanding, with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? When you got saved, you became a new creature, the Bible says. You're a new woman or a new man. And we have now the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And we must think godly and holy things. You know, thinking godly is essential. You know, in Second Corinthians, the Bible says in chapter 4, verse 4, The Bible says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, the eyes of the unbelievers are blinded, blinded by Satan. But he also deceived, he also deceives believers. We are deceived by what we see, what we hear, and what we feel. And the devil works on our minds. And Satan will enable you to recall years and years of your past. You know, our past experience come back to our thinking. And this can disturb us and make us guilty. That's why it's important also to to refrain from seeing those things which are not right. Amen? Some people say, oh, I am still suffering because I can't get out of my mind. The mind is important and you need to fill it with the Word of God. Amen? That's why we need to read the Word of God, memorize the Word of God. 
In Romans 1.28, the Bible says, And even as they did not like to retain God and their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. What is a reprobate mind? That's a mind with no principle. When you think, what you think, you know, well, sorry. What you think will imprint on your mind. Amen? And if you don't like what you think, you can change what you think, what you are thinking. You can change it. If you can't, you, you just pray, you know, because you have the Holy Spirit that is, lives in you as a helper. Living in us to enable us to think right about others and ourselves. Yes, you can help yourself. Because you are responsible for what you think because you have the Holy Spirit. I have a famous quote that says, We saw a thought rip an action. We saw an action rape a lifestyle or habit. Saw a lifestyle rape a character. And saw a character rape a destiny. So it is important what we think. See? Unseen thoughts produces visible circumstances in your life. And it's going to show because it came from your thinking. And you are a child of God. When a thought comes to your mind, you can accept it or deny it, express it, or control it. Right? And if you don't like it, you can change it. And we can be as children of God. Because we have the Holy Spirit to help us. And if you want to overcome a thought, ask these questions. Number one, where will this thought lead me? Will these thoughts get me where I want to go? Are these thoughts scripturally acceptable? Will these thoughts build me or tear me down? Could I share these thoughts with someone else? Or where did these thoughts originate? Do I feel guilty with these thoughts? So ask these questions. Your thought life, you know, is the control tower of your life. Where we are now is the result of what we have been thinking all these years. And what do you think about Jesus? If you have trusted Jesus, he gives you the power to think right. Ask yourself, who am I as the follower of Jesus? Who am I as the follower of Jesus? And 2 Corinthians 6.17, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 6.17, Wherefore, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So we need to to uh, be separate and, and, and do not touch the, the unclean thing. You know, for, exa- for example, if you are not living godly, you can easily interchange what is true and what is false. The devil knows the word of God, but he twists it. He twists the truth. 
As an example of this, of this is love and lust. Compare true, genuine love and lust. Some people think they are in love when they are actually in lust. Love is from God, but lust is from the world. Love can wait, but lust wants it now. Love is selfless. Lust is selfish. Love is giving. Lust is taking. And love is purity. Love, uh, lust is sin. Love develops. Lust destroys. And love is peaceful. And lust is full of anxiety. First Corinthians 6, 18 to 20, the Bible says, flee fornication. Everything that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This verse mentioned the temple of the Holy Ghost. Today, the temple of the Holy Ghost is our bodies. Amen? Do you believe that as Christians? Do you believe that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? When you are saved, the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? I don't know if you agree. But that's the Bible says, you know. But in the Old Testament, the temple was a physical building, which was first built by King Solomon. So when King Solomon set out to build a permanent building for the Ark of the Covenant, he left nothing to chance. Every detail was planned and developed and prepared. And the stone blocks for the walls and the wood beams for the roof were pre-cut to fit. And in First King, first chapter six, verse seven, the Bible says that so that there was neither hammer, nor axe, nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. See, this building has no hammer, no axe, no nails, maybe no iron, right? And the temple was dedicated with massive sacrifices. And thousands of singers praising the Lord when it was finished. And the reason they took such extraordinary steps was that they realized exactly what they were building. What is it? A holy temple for the living God. And First King 8.29, the Bible says, That thine eyes may be opened. Toward this house night and day. Even toward the place of which thou hast said. My name shall be there. That thou mayest hearken unto the prayer. Which thy servant shall make toward this place. Now there has not been a temple in Jerusalem. Since the Romans destroyed it in 70 A.D. But there is a temple of God on earth and is of his children. Amen? 
And we must not forget who we are. We must not forget who we are. And just as Solomon built the temple to be solely for the worship of God, our temples, our body, must be kept holy as well. You know, listen to this in 1 Corinthians 3.17. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. You see? Do you believe this word? You believe the Bible? Never forget how seriously God takes our personal commitment to holiness. And we must keep seeking habitually as part of our life, as part of our diet, thoughts that are true, that are honest, that are just, that are pure, that are lovely, of a good report. And if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, the Bible says, think on these things. Amen? And Romans chapter 13, verse 10 to 14, I want to read you this verse, verses. Open your Bible, if you have your Bible over there. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. No ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Some Christians are still sleeping, you know. And the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The Bible says, let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in shambering and wantonness. Not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Sometimes we might think our sins affect no one but ourselves. Yet that's not true. What we do impact others, whether we know it or not. Jesus used strong terms to warn us. In Matthew 18, verse 6, Jesus says, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck, and that, were he, and that he were drowned, in the depth of the sea. You see the warning? You know, people observe what we do. And we may try to excuse our sins by claiming, well, that they are small, or that they don't affect anybody, or we tell ourselves that these small sins won't be noticed by others or hurt anyone. But let's consider how some of our common sins can lead others down the wrong path. For example, our lack of forgiveness towards someone 
could cause a close friend or family members to take our side and feel resentful too. Or one sin that we might think is small but affects many people is unforgiveness. You know, unforgiveness is dangerous. Do you believe that? One of the most beautiful examples of a forgiving spirit is found in the book of Genesis. Despite being the victim of jealousy, evil intentions, malicious plotting, and selfish disregard, Joseph had an attitude of forgiveness that is uncommon and hard for many of us to imagine. And he demonstrated that he was a godly man who understood how to let go of resentment and to forgive. You know, be careful how you think. I want to read Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse, I will start in verse 17, 32, although Ephesians and Colossians are almost the same, but I want to read these verses from verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as others Gentiles walk, and the vanity of their mind, you see the mind again there, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being fast healing have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness and greediness, but ye have not so learned but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. That ye fought off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather... Let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that's needed. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, reason, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And the last verse says, Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Why, why, why did you get saved? How do you get saved? Because God forgives us of our sins. Amen? You know, if we refuse to forgive, we can expect go through we can expect to go through painful consequences 
And number one, we have difficulty dealing with the wrong done to us. Instead of giving it to the Lord, we keep thinking about the offense and relieve the pain. And number two, resentment will take root in our heart and mind, allowing bitterness to grow. And then we become negative. And this negativity will begin to affect other areas of our life, such as relationship, emotions, attitudes, and physical health. Then feelings of discouragement will rob us of joy and contentment. Maybe we may look successful to the world, but deep inside, Christ's peace is absent. Then our emotional health will also be damaged. And this will affect our ability to love others and accept love in return. And eventually despair will sit in. And we resort to drugs, to alcohol, to affairs, pleasures, or excessive devotion to a career in an effort to find relief. And some commit suicide. See? You know, but there's good news. You know, there's good news always in the Word of God. Amen? The good news is that this downward spiral can be stopped at any point along the way. How? By choosing to forgive. Amen? By choosing to forgive. If you find it difficult to forgive, don't be afraid to seek, to seek help from a pastor or from a Christian counselor. See? You need that. Now, we'll go back to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, again, verses 12 to 17. Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Open again your Bible there. <clears throat> Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the band of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called and are one body, and be ye thankful." Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So you see in verse 12, it says there, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. So we should not only avoid hurting others, but we should also seek to do good. Amen? We should seek to do good to all. And those who are saved ought to be humble and compassionate toward everyone. You know, while we live in this world, there is corruption in our hearts. We will get into arguments. We won't agree with everyone. And sometimes quarrels will arise. 
But now when you go to verse 13, it says forbearing one another. And forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So it is our duty to forgive one another, imitating the forgiveness to which we are saved. And in Colossians 3.15, the Bible says, and let, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Because when we are thankful to God, it helps us to live in harmony with others. And this leads me to my third point. How can we live godly? Be careful in your relationships. Amen? Colossians 3, 18 to 25. <clears throat> Colossians 3, 18 to 25. I will read again. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. At it is fit and the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men, as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Jesus, the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. You know, these verses are about displaying the glory of the divine grace and magnifying the Lord Jesus. As we live the Christian life. In our relationships. So what does the word of God say? The first and most important relationship is our individual, personal relationship with God. Once that relationship is established, everything else will fall into place. First of all, first, all of us are commanded to submit ourselves to God. And the Bible specifically commands wives to submit to their own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Amen? Amen, wives. And submission means to ultimately follow God's leadership in the marriage. The wife is to follow the husband's leadership. Submission is rarely a problem when both spouses are in a strong relationship with Christ and where each spouse is concerned for the other. And you ask, what if my husband is an unbeliever? You know, you should still respect your husband. The Bible talks about this in First Peter 3, 1 to 7. It says this in, first, in, in, in verses 1 and 2 in First Peter 3. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also may, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. And while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. See? So a changed life speaks loudly and clearly. As it often the most effective way to win a family member. 
And the Bible also says to develop inner beauty rather than being concerned about your outer looks. And First Peter 3.3 3 says, Whose adorning, let it not be outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or putting of apparel, but let it the hidden man of the heart in which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this matter and the old time, the holy men also who trusted in God, other than themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. So live your faith consistently, and your family will see Jesus in you. Amen? So, husbands, love your wife. Love your wife. How? Love your wife with sweetness. With selflessness. Love your wife with service. Serve her. And also lead your wife. Be a leader. Amen? Study your wife. <laughs> Study your wife. Leave them. The Bible says live with them according to knowledge. And be gentle to your wife. Your wife is a fragile creature. Do you agree with that? You know, I learned this from our man up, you know, when he attended the uh, last two years. There's a preacher, you know, he uh, demonstrated it by uh, a glass and also a water cooler. You know, he said, these two things have the same purpose, to put water in it. But this water cooler, I can throw this, I can smash this, but still, it's okay. You can still use it. That's the husband. But this glass is like a wife, your wife. He's fragile. You need to hold it properly in order not to fall, right? If it fell, it will break, right? That's how our wife, they are fragile. Amen? Husbands? No husband is uh, agreeing with this, but I said, be gentle to your wife. Be gentle to your wife. Give honor to your wife. Amen? And first, we need to submit ourselves to God. That wives should submit themselves to their own husbands. And husbands should love their wives. This is the foundation of a strong marriage and family. You know, I emphasize this also because, you know, there are lots of Christian family or couples that get divorced also. You know? So it's important that as Christians, we have a strong family. Does God care about family relationships? How important are family relationships with God? God also provides biblical principles in dealing with our own family members. Also, open your Bible in Exodus chapter 4. Let us be reminded what happened in the beginning of Exodus 4. You know, when we read in verse 19 that God was concerned with Moses' life, but now in verse 24, God wanted to kill Moses. You know, God 
commanded Moses to to uh, go down to Egypt and to uh, free the people there from Pharaoh, slavery. But God want to kill Moses. Why? <laughs> the text does not tell us directly why God wanted to end Moses' life when Moses is in God's family. But when, if you look in the context, we can try and figure it out. We know that Moses had a family with sons. And Sephora, his wife, had to do the circumcision. You know, in Genesis 17, God made a covenant with the chosen people through circumcision. And so likely, Moses was disobeying God by not circumcising his son. Therefore, God's covenant would have been broken in Moses' family. That's why God would like to kill Moses after he commanded them to go to Egypt. But let us note that Moses' wife saved his life and God's covenant with the family. If Sipporah didn't so do, then do what she did, maybe God would have chosen someone else to lead Israel rather than Moses. So what are the biblical principles for us to apply? What we should consider based on Moses' action in verse 18? You know, we don't hear God telling Moses to get permission from his father-in-law to go to Egypt. It seems that Moses took this action on his own and God honored it. You know, he asked his father-in-law permission. So he said, I pray that I want to go to Egypt. And Jethro, his father-in-law, said, go in peace. So, what is the commandment number five in the Ten Commandments? Honor thy father and thy mother. Amen? And we must always be considerate of our elders and those who have authority over us. Amen? Secondly, that God loves us with an everlasting love. But God gave it's one of us duties to do. Moses was taking action doing, taking action in doing God's work to go back to Egypt, but Moses did not forget his responsibility as a husband and as a father. God loves families. Amen? So we must never neglect our responsibilities within the family. And we can note the action of not only Moses, but Zipporah. Love for her husband. And the obedience of children. And the brothers reconciling. And how did all this family relationship become right? And God must be involved in all our family relationships. Amen? This is first and foremost. We must always allow God to be involved in our lives and relationships. And finally... God our Father is worthy of our praise and worship. Amen? If we are honest with ourselves, our daily worship of God is always short. What can help us praise and worship God more? We can learn from the lessons of the Israelites. The Israelites believe the messengers. We must truly believe in the message, which is God's word. Amen? Oh, you don't believe. 
You know, we need also to learn from the examples of the Israelites, I'll repeat. The Israelites believe the messengers. And we must truly believe in the message which is God's word. Amen? Good. And the Israelites truly believe in God. And we need to daily think about and believe in the Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Good. And the Israelites understood God's love. We need to grasp God's love through Jesus Christ more and more every day. Amen? Amen. Even if it's very soft, it's okay. You are not fully convinced, maybe. So think about this personally on a daily basis. The Almighty Creator God who has made who made and controls the entire universe, did not have to create me, but he did personally and cares for me every moment of the day. You can say that? That he cares for you every moment of the day? You should realize that. You know? For me, you know, my experience, I've uh, experienced a lot of, I almost died. Sometimes I think to myself, oh, maybe I, uh, I was dead before already. So sometimes I dedicate my life to God only. Because, you know, when you're dead, you don't think of other things only. You want to worship God. Amen? So, what? So, we need to be careful in what? How do we live godly? We need to be careful in how we think. Amen? How we think. Our thoughts is important. Control power of your life. And also, we should be careful in how we walk. Walk means it's not your steps, the legs or the steps. It's, it's the manner of living. Right? And also, we need how to live godly. Is we need to be careful in our relationships with our family. And others. We should always remember that we are dead. When we became saved, we died to self. And we need to set our affection on things above and not on things on earth. When we are heavenly minded, we can live a godly and a holy life. Amen? Someone has said, someone once said, we are the Bibles. The world is reading. And we are the truths the world is needing. And we are the sermons the world is heeding. I would like to give you a story as I close. There was a missionary couple in the Philippines named Herb and Ruth Klingen. And they were in the internment camp in the Second World War in the Philippines under the Japanese tyranny. And they survived, and their diary, they wrote about the people that were murdered. They told about deprivation and the people who starved to death. And their diary, Herb, describes those three years in that, camp, in that camp, and he names a man Kunisi, he's Japanese. He says, Kunisi was the fiercest and the most hated of the Japanese authorities. A ruthless, brutal, murderous torturer who starved people to death who shot people to the dead, to, to the head, who did all kinds of unbelievable things. 
He writes, Konisi found an inventive way to abuse us. He increased the food ration, but gives us palay. Filipinos understand it is palay. You know, and unhasked rice. You know, there's the shell still. Eating the rice with the razor sharp outer shell would cause intestinal bleeding. And that would kill us in hours. And we had no tools to remove the husk. And doing the job manually by pounding the grain or ruling it with a heavy stick, it consumed more calories than the rice would supply. So it was a death sentence for all internees. And they were liberated by General Douglas MacArthur on February 24, 1945. And it was the day, the very day that Conisi had planned to kill them all. And Herb closes the wonderful testimony by saying this. Years after the war, we learned that Conisi had been found working as a ground keeper at a Manila golf course. And he was put on trial for his war crimes and hung. And before his execution, he professed conversion to Christianity, saying he had been deeply affected by the testimony of the Christian missionaries he had persecuted. Isn't that a marvelous story? That's why it's important how we live, right? Doing what is right. As I close, there's a pastor who is dying here in Taryu before, and he left a message. He said, in his message, only three words. Oh, only nine words. <laughs> he said, life is short. Remember that, life is short. Do you agree? Number two, he said, heaven is home. And number three, he said, live for God. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you, God, for the time that you have spent on reading your word. Thank you, Lord, for people who have listened to this message Lord, you know our hearts. You know our hurts. And Lord, you know what are, what are the thoughts in our minds. And Lord, I pray that you help us to live godly in this present world. And help us to be a good testimony to others. Use us to be a good witnesses of the gospel as we lead this life. And as I wait for the coming of our Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we praise you and we love you. And we give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.